Welcome to the Millionaire Next Door podcast with Robert Curtis, CFP, accredited investment fiduciary from Signature Estate and Investment Advisors. In this podcast, we help successful wealth accumulators like you looking to transition to a work optional lifestyle by helping you build strategies for growing and maintaining your wealth. Robert draws from years of experience and fiduciary responsibility and interviews guest experts to help you build reliable strategies to grow and maintain your wealth. Now, on to the show. Robert has a return guest with him, Sam Miller, the Director of Research and Marketing at SEIA. Sam works with the company's investment committee and contributes his expertise to portfolio and investment selection. So, Robert, what is on the agenda for this episode? Yeah. Hi, Patrice. Uh, the agenda, we are going to talk about what's termed ESG and SRI, environmental and social governance, social responsible investing. Uh, this has become a big thing. I'm occasionally asked by clients about it. Some folks are interested in it. Um, some are avoiding it for whatever reasons, personal views. It comes up a lot, though. You'll see it in the press. We have a process around that. So if you're going to go down that road or you have questions, we want to let you know we've looked into it extensively. Through my firm and our research department, Sam Miller's done a lot of work in that area. Uh, so I brought him back on. He, he did a prior podcast going into our research and our diligence and alternative investments. Today, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive, but we picked that out as a topic. So Welcome, Sam, and tell us what is ESG and SRI? What what are these? <laughs> what are they? Thanks for having me back, Rob. I really appreciate spending some time with you here. Um, that's that's a great question. They're they are, of course, you know, acronyms, just like a lot of other acronyms we like to use in our industry, and hopefully we're not confusing things more than we need to. But they can cause con some confusion, and maybe we should start with with like. Why do we keep getting questions about ESG? And I think one of the reasons for that is because there's just been a proliferation of vehicles that have come to market, uh, mutual funds, ETFs, in the last decade or so. There's literally, literally hundreds and hundreds of vehicles out there. And just because uh, an investment company or an asset manager offers a vehicle doesn't necessarily mean we, we should use it, but it's important to kind of sift through uh, what it is and, and how it might be applicable for our clients. So we're ha happy to to do that. So as far as ESG, um, it's actually a, a fairly new term. It was coined in the mid 2000s by guess guess who a, a consultant used it in, in a report. But the idea of aligning your money with your values goes back decades and decades. And you can think back in the 1960s, there were calls to uh, efforts to end apartheid in South Africa. There were anti-Vietnam War protests, and a lot of those issues were important to people. And they they started thinking about, you know, how can I direct my dollars or maybe my my investments in a way that supports these social issues that are important to me. So, and it it probably goes back even even further than that. But in, in Recent memory, we can start with the, the 60s. Um, so I would say SRI stands for Socially Responsible Investing. 
ESG stands for environmental, social, and governance. And it's basically an umbrella term to describe investing strategies that emphasize those factors in addition to traditional measures of risk and return. So I would say SRI is part of ESG since we've got the S there. Uh, But let's dive a little bit deeper into each of those letters. So E, that's the environment. So think about things like climate change, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, deforestation, waste and pollution. Those sorts of issues are are covered with, with the E, environment. Social covers things like working conditions, you know, child labor, conflict in the workplace, employee relations and diversity, things like that. And then lastly, the G is governance. So it covers items like executive pay, corruption, political lobbying, board structure, board diversity, and all those types of things. So that's those are the different elements of ESG and, and what's included in, in each. Great. And and uh, I guess, why is this important? <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. So I think, it, as you might expect, the, the definition of why it's important is really going to depend on the individual. For, for me, if I'm someone that, that cares a lot about the environment, and uh, and that's really important to me. Maybe that's what what's important, and why mm-hmm. I might want to allocate my my investment dollars in that way. For someone else, maybe they care about more about social issues. Um, so you probably get if you ask fifteen different people, you know, why you might get fifteen different answers. But I think if we take a step back and think about you know working with clients, building investment portfolios, and, and and Rob, you know this better than I do. In working with 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 clients, what's the worst thing, or one of the worst things that an investor can do? And what we see is, you know, trying to jump in and jump out of the market, or not sticking with a strategy over the long term because of, you know, maybe concerns about that what's going on in the headlines, or you name it, any number of concerns. The worst thing that an investor can do is not stick with their investment plan. So in in my view, in many ways, ESG allows an investor to align their dollars and their portfolio with their personal values. And the end result is in what we find is this can oftentimes result in a, a portfolio that the, the investor can stick with over the long term because they feel better about it. They can sleep better at night by knowing that their investments are doing what they want from a from a values based perspective. So, in my view, I think that's the most important. Why, um, if if someone's coming to, if someone's heard about ESG and they think it's going to guarantee outperformance versus a benchmark because of because you're tilting yeah. towards these factors, that's just not the case. the The research is mixed on that. In some instances, you know, we we can see outperformance based on the type of approach. In other instances, it's it's not quite as clear. So that the, the performance is, issue shouldn't be the primary driver, but if it can help to align the client or the investor with the portfolio to a greater extent and maybe avoid some of these behavioral pitfalls that we we see all too often, then in my view, I think it can be a positive piece of a portfolio. Yeah, that that's great. I 
I agree with that. I get various questions. I just want people to be aware. They may be thinking about it. It might be important to them. It might not be important. I, I serve on a church committee. They're very, they think, but I see a lot of people going down the road because it's ESG, it must be great. And not, you know, not necessarily. I, I would say the majority of my clients, the millionaire next door type who worked really hard, you know, 25, 30 years, they, they're going to have their values uh, but they're maybe in, within the portfolio, they feel an obligation and even as a fiduciary just to grow it or provide the income. And, you know, I even think of myself, I don't use tobacco. I don't use firearms. I don't use a, addictive substances other than caffeine, I'll mention, um, which 90% of the world <laughs> uses. So I won't choose to go there. I don't even eat, really eat at McDonald's, but I will put McDonald's in a portfolio. I personally draw a distinction. So I, I think it's a personal issue, but but other folks, if we're serving a board, a church, a nonprofit, uh, an institution, they, they may have specific views on that. But uh, that's just from my lens. And I, I'd like to say to clients or folks listening, if you if that is a big deal, let us know and we can help filter and be aware of that. If you're ambivalent, you just want the best returns and the, and the safest portfolio. You know, I think that's equally valid as well. So I think, anyway. that's, a, I think that's a great point. It kind of, kind of uh, leads us into the, the different ways you might consider allocating your portfolio towards ESG. So option one is what you were just referencing is you could invest in a kind of a, a traditional portfolio and and not have ESG be a, a a layer in the process. But then you could also be very focused with a charitable giving strategy, maybe use a donor advised fund and really get specific about directing your dollars towards the causes you care about. So that's one approach. Another approach would be maybe maybe in addition to that, invest in your portfolio in accordance with certain ESG parameters. Um, and there's really two sides of the coin there. So the first side is what like the, the portfolio construction piece. And what I mean by that is deciding that you want to own certain kinds of companies that meet these, these specific ESG criteria. So they have to score well from a environment, environmental perspective. Maybe they don't have as, uh, a certain amount of greenhouse gas emissions or something like that. There's certain metrics that we can adhere to. Maybe they're a good corporate citizen from a socially responsible perspective. Maybe they have a, a diverse board and they're, they're a good corporate citizen in that way. So those are some of the metrics and maybe we can set certain thresholds and screen out companies that are the bad actors and screen in the companies that are the good actors and build a portfolio that way. That's that's the first side of the coin. The other side is owning companies that you might want to behave differently. Maybe it's a company that you maybe have concerns about how they're acting out there in the, the marketplace. You can be an active owner in those companies and try to influence them through what are called proxy votes or corporate resolutions. So there's different ways you can go about it and you could actually integrate those approaches into a single portfolio strategy. So at, at the end of the day, I think there's Definitely, but just like everything else, there's pros and cons. The pros of this sort of approach would be that you're aligning your values with your portfolio to a greater extent, and might it might allow your portfolio to be st stickier, and it might get you to the finish line uh, faster if you're otherwise someone that might 
try to disrupt your investment plan. Um, we now have the ability to customize to a greater extent. You know, 10, 20 years ago, fact of the matter is most clients didn't have this ability. The, the products were out, weren't out there. The technology didn't exist to do these, these screens. And now we have that today. So that's uh, we've, we, we now have this ability. So those are some of the, the, the pros. Of course, there are always, always cons with that. So anytime you start to tilt your portfolio one direction or another, you're going to look different from, from the benchmark. If you're trying to track the S&P 500 or a, a global benchmark, and you start throwing these screens in and, and tilting to one direction or another, that's a conscious decision to, to not own certain companies or certain types of companies, you're going to going to look different. So if the market does 10% this year, hypothetically, you know, you might not track that exactly for better or for worse. Um, and then of course, some of these vehicles uh, will, will layer in an, an additional fee for all this work that goes into the ESG mm. process. You got to be careful with that as well. And, and that's what we focus on when we're constructing these sorts of portfolios is making sure that the fee that you're paying is uh, commensurate with what you're getting in return and, and being able to feel good about the portfolio at the end of the day. Right. And let me ask you this. Is there any discernible empirical difference? I mean, it, so folks who go into it with maybe the increased fees, has, has ESG done better, worse, the same? Is there any, any differential uh, or is it just people feel better? Is there any is there any real data on that or is it just a values thing and any trends that stick out or, or not? Just curious with what you've looked at. So there is a lot of research out there. Uh, unfortunately it's, it's somewhat mixed, which is why okay. you know, there's no, no clear yep. uh, cause and effect sort of relationship between allocating to ESG and then, you know, future outperformance. I would say of the three factors from what I've seen and from what I've researched, the G is the most predictive and think mm. about it just kind of common sense. If you've got the right governance structure, you know, if you're yeah. in, incentivizing the CEO and the, the corporate leaders, the right way, they tend to, to act in an in investor's best interest. So the, the G tends to be more predictive than, than the E or the S, at least in, in the research that I've done. Okay. That makes a lot. I mean, we, I pay a lot of attention to that too, on some of the, like individual stocks, there, there's just companies we really know the governance, you know, and you could see maybe the CEO pays himself very modestly and has a lot of stock or, or they've just been in it for years. They never sell shares. There's another widely, I probably shouldn't even mention this, but there's a big food company, a chicken company, the, the CFO of the company, um, you know, who was a family member, by the way, he, he, he actually got in a um, super intoxicated one night, wound up in another woman's bed. Uh, the police were called because she didn't recognize the guy and he was arrested. But it, it just shed a light on the whole company of who's this person that's managing their finances. This was pretty well publicized. I won't mention the name of it. <laughs> but uh, talk about talk about a governance that sheds a lot of light on a, you know, a publicly traded company for the, uh, I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but uh it was in the press. You can find it. Sorry, I diverge a little bit, but that you know, we—that's a screen that you know we're looking at stuff like that too. You know, who are you think of like a Warren Buffett or someone who's just very, 
very humble guy, right? Driving the same car he's driven for years, right? It's sort of a reflection of how maybe how he handles things. But I'll, I'll turn it back to you. <laughs> exactly. You I, I think other, you know yeah. we can we can get overwhelmed with data. There's so much data out there, but a, a lot of it is helpful. You know, if you can sift through this governance data and get a better understanding of what's driving the incentives at a company, that really can help when you're constructing a portfolio, not just, as you mentioned, not just from an ESG perspective, but when you're building a more traditional portfolio as well. So it's, it can be helpful. So from an implementation perspective, as I was mentioning earlier, there's been a proliferation of different vehicles out there. So there's a, a ton of choice. And the way I would characterize it is there are fund vehicles like mutual funds and ETFs that have been built around this. Maybe there's a, a carbon-free ETF or a socially responsible ETF or something like that. So we can we can certainly construct a portfolio using those sorts of, of fund vehicles. And, and we do that you know, fairly frequently. Or another option would be to build a portfolio of individual stocks or individual bonds, but layer in these, mm -hmm. these scre screening mechanisms. So one of the recent examples we had, we, we work with a lot of foundations and, and, and uh, religious organizations. And in recent years, they've been gravitating towards this sort of approach for their, their own investment portfolios um, so that they can stand in front of their constituents and mm -hmm. not have to defend like, hey, why is XYZ whoever's been in the in the, the headlines recently from a, a negative yeah. perspective, why is that in our portfolio? We don't really feel good about that. So I would mm -hmm. say it's to, to, to drill down and build portfolios of individual stocks and bonds, we can certainly, again, use this screening process, maybe screen out some of the bad actors and we can get very granular. We had a uh, faith-based organization in the Midwest recently. There was a big corporation that was nearby and there was there were some issues there that they were trying to contend with. And they said, mm -hmm. we don't want to own this company in our portfolio, at least not right now. And we we're able to put mm -hmm. that into the process and, and say, hey, let's never own own that company because they don't want to see it on their statement. They don't want to have to defend it to, mm -hmm. the, to the their constituents. In other instances, we've got the ability to, to craft it around faith so we can do a catholic mm -hmm. catholic values sort of an approach and the catholic church recently you know updated their guidance believe it or not within the last 12 months on that so we've had some people that have said you know i want to align my portfolio with with catholic values and you can mm -hmm. guess you know the, the types of companies that they're excluding from the opportunity set there so uh, we've had catholic values portfolios is islamic values you name it um, that the, there have been some really popular strategies that we've been able to build, but those are more reserved for uh, we call it custom stock or custom yeah. bond ESG, where we're using individual stocks and bonds, and then layering layering in these screens to help build the portfolio. So the bottom line, there's a, a while we can const construct it with fund vehicles. If you really want to get granular and customize it to a greater extent, we'd probably look to use individual stocks and bonds. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and this is just to highlight awareness for any entity or individuals who might want to go through that. We can engage in this process. I, I have processes. We can engage our research team with your specialties. Uh, tell you if that's even feasible or how that would work 
just to give you the peace of mind, but to go through the formal diligence and the process of how that would be constructed. I think that's what you're saying. And I, I think that's, that's great. If that's a big concern to someone M myself, I tend to just invest half, but you know, if I'm going to purchase a product and I know how they behave or, or if the, the food is, you know, organic, the bag is recyclable. I know there's nothing artificial. I do feel better and I'll buy that product. It doesn't mean I'll invest in it or not, but, but I could take it to that level and we have the resources to really delve down on a custom basis. And we're not going to put you into some cookie cutter thing that it doesn't address that if if that's a specific concern or area that you feel um, you want to direct your, um, you know, your resources and your hard-earned savings towards. So I think that's great. Tell me what else do you, are you seeing this come up a lot? Is it expanding? Is it is it gaining popularity or? Tell us a little bit about the evolution and just find maybe as we close out any other salient points, just so folks are, um, you know, get the benefit of your wisdom on it, Sam. I think for, for better or for worse, you know, we're, we're living in a increasingly polarized world, not only with, with politics, but, you know, ESG has been in the headlines in yeah. recent months and we've had I wouldn't say an influx, but an increase in interest uh, of people that are at least wanting to educate themselves and understand what this is. So that's the first step. Like I said at the outset, not not for everyone, but for certain people, it, it might be important. So, and it's all uh, an individual decision. So, what's important to to you might not be important to me, and what's important to me might not be important to you. So, we've certainly seen yeah. that with our clients, where people are trying to craft it craft their own ESG strategy, which is going to look, look different from client to client. I think the, the stat that I saw recently was according to Bloomberg intelligence assets designated around ESG are expected to grow to $50 trillion by 2025. So the expectation mm -hmm. is that this is going to continue to be important in the investment community. And it certainly has been important outside the U S to a greater to a greater degree than than we've seen here. This is uh, something that's been fairly common in, in Europe, and we're just starting to catch on in the last ten years. So I think it's going to continue to grow. Yeah, I interesting. I I deal with a lot of clients in California and a lot lot in Texas. So you can imagine those those could almost be different, um, really polar in terms sometimes in terms of their views. Um, you know, another thought too, I've seen clients who express this, we can carve out a sleeve. It doesn't have to be your own portfolio, but maybe you want to allocate some, some to that. We can help with the process just to make sure it's sound. I, I think where a lot of people, these do it yourselfers, if there's uh, 500 ESG funds out there, they don't really have a process for selecting what would be the, the best way to do that. Right. So we could maybe do some filters and rankings and relative strength and and some other things just look at the methodologies um it's it's almost like when you buy a bag of food you know there's a lot of false advertising says all natural all pure you know the the fruit juice is good well it's not it's loaded with sugar so maybe you want to have someone look at the label and understand all the ingredients so i really thanks sam at any other points please feel free to bring them up but we really appreciate having you as a guest again, and um, it just just expands, and we'll look for some additional 
material to bring to folks just to highlight. But I don't know. Do you have any other closing thoughts or, or we feel free to chime in or we'll we'll shut her down here. You're I think we're good. Thank, thanks again for okay. having me on. Yeah. Thank, thanks for being on. We really appreciate it. And Robert, how can people reach you? Okay, Patrice. So all the normal methods, um, find my favorite hike and catch me at the exact right moment. That's probably not the best way, but, but it has occurred once. Um, you can also uh, simply email me rcurtis, R-C-U-R-T-I-S-S at seia.com. You can call my office. You can reach out by either Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm reachable. There's usually some show notes that provide some contact info. But please, if, if you have feedback on the podcast, topics you'd like to hear, follow-up questions, anything, we'd, we'd love to hear about it. We're really picking up a lot of uh, listeners. That there's a, there's a stats team, and people are listening from all over the world. Uh, on every continent it's really kind of surprising so let me know if, if uh, <laughs> what's going on if you have any questions but that's how people can reach us and follow this podcast to make sure you know when the latest episode is ready for you and of course then share it with others thanks for being with us thank you for listening to the millionaire next door podcast click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available the information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Signature Estate and Investment Advisors or Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Sam Miller is part of Robert's value-added support team, FAST, and contributes his expertise to portfolio and investment selection.